You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Lucinda Lonick. This is the WFHB Local News 4, Thursday, February 16th, 2023. Later in the program, we have Prescription for Healthcare, a podcast collaboration between the WFHB Local News and Medicare for All Indiana. More in the bottom half of our program. Also coming up in the next half hour on today's episode of Voices in the Street, Youth Radio hit the windy streets of Bloomington to ask local residents their thoughts on Valentine's Day, both on a personal and societal level. At the Monroe County Personnel Administration Committee meeting on February 7th, committee member Peter Iverson was elected as chair. The nomination passed unanimously. The Sheriff's Department Chief Deputy Phil Parker asked the committee to approve the creation of a position to maintain the jail's facility. Well, very, very briefly, it is simply a position that we're requesting to be created that will handle the uh, routine general maintenance of the facility to help keep the facility clean as we progress forward and keep it in a condition uh, where it's clean and sanitary. Uh, if I can just put it in a nutshell, it's that simple. Committee member Marty Hawk asked Parker about the hours of the position. Parker responded that it would be a full-time position for 40 hours. He added that it will require flexible hours. This this job, I, I guess we had to put something in there as the normal, but this job really won't have normal hours. It's going to be very, very, very flexible. It will fluctuate with the needs of the jail, possibly on a weekly basis. So this person is going to have to be very, very flexible. Uh, it could be weekends. It could be evenings. It could be, you know, all of the above. Committee member Jeff McKim asked if they would discuss outlining the role of the sheriff's office and the commissioners to maintain the facility. County legal Molly Turner King said she was ready to discuss this and collaborate with the sheriff's office. The committee agreed to continue to work on the position together, finalize it, and send the position to WIS in the next seven days. On February 9th, the Monroe County Election Board continued their discussion on the polling sites for the 2023 municipal primary election. The board motioned to recess this decision at their last meeting to wait until they knew whether or not Ellettsville and Steinsville would be involved. Board member Donovan Garlitz introduced the resolution to approve the polling sites for 2023 without a location in Steinsville. First item on the agenda is approval of polling sites for 2023 municipal primary election. Um, We were able to do that now because as of last Friday, we found out about Steinsville. Is that correct? Am I saying that correctly? Okay. Monroe County Chief Deputy Clerk Tracia Martin gave updates on the election in May. Okay, the updates. Uh, In this coming election in May, we have 51 precincts in the primary. The viewing of the ballot will be on Wednesday, February the 15th from 9 to 4. And that will be at 401 West 7th Street, Suite 100. Um, If you would like to work in the election or even early voting, you can go to MonroeCountyVoters.us 
and we have both recruiters' names and emails on that website. Your next deadline that we have to meet is on this coming Friday. If you are withdrawing from the election, you have until noon to get the paperwork to us. If you want to challenge someone on the ballot, you have until the 23rd at noon to challenge them. The next Monroe County Election Board meeting will be held on March 2nd. Up next, we have Prescription for Healthcare, a podcast collaboration between WFHB Local News and Medicare for All Indiana. This month's hosts, Dr. Rob Stone and Karen Greenstone, interviewed representatives Matt Pierce, representing District 61 Bloomington in the Indiana legislature, where he had served since 2002. We talk about health legislation being considered this session that would change the way hospitals set their prices. We will continue the conversation in part two, Ed, next month. From Bloomington, Indiana, welcome to Prescription for Healthcare on WFHB Community Radio, sponsored by Medicare for All Indiana. I'm Karen Greenstone, along with Dr. Rob Stone. Hello. Our guest, Matt Pierce, serves in the Indiana Legislature as House Representative for District 61, Bloomington. He was first elected as a House member in 2002. He received his law degree from Indiana University in 1987. Representative Pierce joined Indiana University as a lecturer in 2003 with interests in telecommunications law and policy, telecommunications industry, and management. He serves as the assistant Democratic floor leader and is the ranking minority member of the Indiana House Utilities, Energy, and Telecommunications Committee. He also serves on the Courts and Criminal Code, Rules and Legislative Procedures Committees, and the Statutory Committee on Ethics. Representative Pierce holds an extra-class amateur radio license and is an advisor for the IU Amateur Radio Club. Representative Matt Pierce, welcome to Prescription for Healthcare. Thank you for inviting me on the program. Last month on Prescription for Healthcare, we talked with Wendell Potter about the new documentary film, American Hospitals, Healing a Broken System. According to Hoosiers for Affordable Healthcare, a business-oriented advocacy group, Hospital prices in the state of Indiana are the seventh highest in the nation. Hoosiers pay twice as much as Michigan residents for their hospital care. Representative Pierce, will you please bring us up to date about what's going on in the Indiana legislature regarding health care this session? The fact that you have an organized group of business people who are really frustrated by the fact that the hospitals in Indiana, mostly whom are nonprofits, we have the seventh highest hospital charges, and that's really caught the attention of the business people. And so they've been really using their connections and influence with the General Assembly to say, hey, you need to address this issue. This has gotten on the radar screen of the Republican leaders who have the supermajority control in Indianapolis. And you might recall that I think it was maybe last summer sometime, they sent a letter to the hospitals basically saying, hey, you're charging too much. If you don't present us with your own plan to get these costs under control, then we'll have to do something we don't like to do, which is maybe actually some regulation. 
And so the hospitals wrote back, IU Health committed, I think, to do a glide path where in five years they would get into the national average. And a lot of the other hospitals just talked in circles in their letters about what they were doing to contain costs. And what we've ended up with, I think, with this business group setting the agenda. So, Matt, you have introduced HB 1472. So would you please talk about a solution to this problem that is actually working in Maryland? This issue is really important to my constituents. I've been hearing from people, both people who have worked within these health organizations, people who still do, patients who are frustrated because they can't find providers and just things you read about in the paper. And so you just look at this and you say, okay, this really cries out for a comprehensive solution. And the Republicans, are, again, are trying to do more kind of micro things, a series of micro kind of provisions, hoping they can fix the problem. And so the thing was, I didn't really know exactly what that was. Now, of course, you could talk about things like single payer and things that we know we've heard about for a long time that I think would be an improvement over the current system. But that's something that maybe is logically going to have to get tackled by the federal government. It's a little bit difficult for states to go their own way on that kind of thing. Plus, there's zero interest from the current people in charge to go that route. So I was thinking like, what would be the comprehensive solution that's not something along the lines of single payer that would get at this issue? And it's interesting because the other thing I was picking up at the time too was that the Republicans also knew they needed to do something, but they didn't know exactly what. So they glommed on to this little shopping list of things that the business people put together. So I thought maybe I could find something that might actually be sellable to them. And so that's when I saw this rough cut of this movie that people were working on. And in there's a segment where they talk about Maryland and they're talking about how they have this global budgeting system where every hospital just gets a global budget. And that means the incentive is no longer how many procedures can I do? to get my profits up. Now it's more how efficient can I be? How can I provide care that makes sure that people don't come back again? Because every less thing I have to do, I have headroom in my budget where I can save. I can basically expand my profit by doing a better job. And I was really intrigued by that. And then the thing that was interesting about it is Maryland is the only state in the country that does this. And now they have a thing called total cost of care management system. And I have to admit right up front, I'm not a healthcare expert. I do not serve on healthcare committee. This is just me trying to inject myself into the conversation because I'm hearing from my constituents about this. So I'm scratching my head like, it looks like they're getting pretty good results out there. And yet it hasn't gone anywhere else. What's up with this? And I began to read up on it. And it's interesting how the system there apparently evolved over a 30 year or more period. I think it started back in the 1970s. And what I was trying to figure out here for Indiana is, okay, how do you take a 30 or 40 year evolution of healthcare policy in a state like Maryland? And how do you get Indiana to compress maybe a five year transition? to get to that and something with some complexity because Maryland has this healthcare containment commission or whatever that's job is to look at each hospital and decide what their global budget should be. And then the other thing they do, which was the first thing they did is when each hospital, the procedure is the same price for everyone, whether you're a private pay insurance person, whether you're on Medicare, Medicaid, that's going to cost the same thing across the board. So this is one of the things that I think people always get a little bit confused about is here in Medicaid, or they've got their prices. And then you've got the private insurers who are negotiating with each provider as to what they're going to pay. And so it's all over the map. 
So in Maryland, it's like, okay, it's one price for each procedure in the hospital. And then we're going to look at that and what the kind of the population and some metrics of what the hospitals do, and we're going to give them a budget. And so from the hospital's perspective, they like that because the hospital administrator does not have to then ask himself, how am I going to get to the end of the year and have all of my expenses covered? Or if I want to get more money in the bank, I got to do more procedures. I got to just do more stuff on people. And the global budget takes that pressure off. And now in that system, it's more, okay, I get to keep any money I don't spend underneath my budget. So if I can figure out a way to keep the diabetic patient on their medicine, on their insulin, so they're not coming back for emergency care, or if I get the procedure done correctly the first time, so they're not complications, or I don't have people get infected in the hospital, if I up my quality of care. And so this is the thing that really caught my imagination because yes, I'm upset about the high cost we're paying here in Indiana and in the state of the system. But what upsets me more is the quality of care is actually declining. It's not getting better. And so it'd be one thing if we were paying gold-plated prices and getting gold-plated care. You might make an argument, that, hey, I'd rather have gold-plated best care ever at a higher price than maybe discounted care that's not as good. But the irony is it's like going the other direction. And so what I'm really most interested in is not the cost containment side, which is animating the business interest. I'm interested in how do you redirect the system to get people focused on quality of care? The system needs to be affordable. There's no doubt about that. We have to have a, a system in which every person can have the right of health care and get good quality care. But I think that it's even declining for people who have really great insurance. Representative Matt Pierce, what is your prescription for health care? I think that Indiana should seriously consider what it would take to adopt the Maryland system in Indiana. My bill that I introduced essentially said we will adopt the Maryland system and it creates a transition system to do that. The truth is it's a pretty darn complicated process and you have to figure out, I think it's a practical matter, how to do it in collaboration with the hospitals. And that's what happened in Maryland. You know, that essentially the hospitals were getting stuck in situations where the status quo was worse off for them than doing something new, even if it were different. And so we have to figure out how to get the hospitals and the providers to buy into this and want to cooperate to get there, as opposed to somehow trying to force it upon them. But the truth of the matter is, if you have these hospitals who have influence really fighting back, you're just going to get stuck in gridlock. And so what I'm trying to see if I can make happen this session, not even being on the health committee, is if I can get somebody to say, let's take a hard look at this, right? Let's really study Maryland. Maybe we should go to Maryland. Maybe we should talk to people who are actually in the Maryland system. Let's get their hospital administrators out here or zoom them in and just ask them, how does this thing work? And let's get into the pros and cons of the whole thing and figure out if it's really a net positive which I've concluded just from a little I've read about the system that it would be a net positive for Indiana. There are people who know a lot more about healthcare than I do, and it would be interesting to get them involved in the conversation. Representative Matt Pierce, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your years of dedication to, to all of us. Thank you. You're welcome. This concludes part one of our interview with Representative Matt Pierce. Part two will air on Thursday, March 9th. 
He will talk about several health care bills that have been introduced into the Indiana House of Representatives. This is Karen Greenstone and Dr. Rob Stone for Prescription for Healthcare, sponsored by Medicare for All Indiana on WFHB Community Radio. To your good health, everyone. Stay safe and thank you for listening. We may never see this moment a place in time again. If not now, if not now, tell me when. Up next is Voices in the Street with a special segment on Valentine's Day, produced by WFHB's Youth Radio. This is Voices in the Street, WFHB's monthly public opinion feature, providing the members of our community the opportunity to have their voices heard. This week, love was in the air on the streets of Bloomington. Youth Radio went out in the blustery winds this week, asking local residents their thoughts on Valentine's Day. We asked, do you celebrate Valentine's Day? If so, how? I do. I think this year just going to make like a really simple dinner and hang out at home. This year, not with anyone else, but like my, my parents usually sent me something. I guess in the past uh, we would do like cards and stuff for it, but uh, more recently we haven't really been doing anything. We being my family. I celebrate Valentine's Day by spreading love to my friends and families in lieu of a partner. This year I celebrated with my boyfriend. It was a little low-key this year just because we were busy, but we just went to Chipotle. Uh, not usually, no. I do not. I have before. And when I did, I like to buy candy and hang out with friends or loved ones. It kind of depends what my situation's like every year. This year, I happen to be with someone, so we are like, you know, going out to dinner and uh, enjoying each other's company and I guess kind of reflecting how we've been. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. I guess I do, but like, I'm not crazy about it. I just like to eat food and be with someone I love, I guess. What's your favorite Valentine's Day memory? Like celebrating with friends, like giving each other like those cute little Valentines you can get at the store. One Valentine's Day, my mom got me and my sister just a bunch of goodies that she knew were associated with things that we liked. So just, yeah, just showing love to kids. Well, we'd like give out cards to people and we'd do these like weird gimmicks for them. So there's one time we did like a Citizen Kane themed one where like me and my sister would like dress up as the characters from it. And like we recreated that one shot with the uh, like campaign poster behind them. There was another time we did a post-apocalyptic theme and we went to like Goodwill and just got a bunch of junk and uh, duct taped it to ourselves as makeshift armor, which is, I guess, maybe not a very traditional way of doing Valentine's Day, but you know. Probably just like when my dad got me like a little basket for Valentine's Day. Not a specific one, but I always really liked doing like Valentine's Day cards in elementary school, like getting little like peanuts Valentine's. That was a lot of fun. My mom got all of the kids like a bunch of candy one time. That was like the first time we got things for Valentine's Day, so that was nice. What do you think is the best way to express your love on Valentine's Day? I would just say like with your words like it doesn't have to be romantic like telling your friends that you appreciate them I think the best way to express love is just whatever is like best for you and your partner like right everybody has their own love language so whatever is going to be like the most loving to the person you're sharing love with asking the person you love what they want and then listening to it 
I guess it depends how each person wants to be loved. But me personally, I love to love with a little hug, maybe uh, some words of affirmation. A nice little gift is usually nice, but I don't really like when people spend money. It's like a guilty thing. You know, handmade things is what I'm saying. Just show people like your appreciation and tell them that you love them and that they're special. Putting your effort into something, whether it's like a little love letter or like taking someone out to dinner or something like that. Uh, just like giving a gift, I guess, but you know, not necessarily just like a material item. I'd say like quality time with the person. Just spend time with who you want to be with. I think the best way to express love on Valentine's Day is be as genuine as you would on any other day if you really love that person. When you go to a grocery store during February and you see all the Valentine's Day merchandise, how does that make you feel? Yeah, it gets me excited that like the year, like we're moving past January and like the year's going by. Um, personally, I'm not like a huge like chocolate person, so that doesn't get me really excited, but I like all the like colors and hearts and everything. There's the classic, like, do I or do I not have a Valentine? Last week, I just bought myself some Valentine's chocolates and ate them, so so not really phased too much, yeah. Well, when you're in a relationship, it's fun to see, but when you're not in a relationship, not the best. Indifferent? I have a girlfriend right now, so I guess it can make me, like, nervous sometimes. Like, I gotta prepare. <laughs> it makes me excited for the day after Valentine's Day when I can get cheap candy. I don't really feel anything. No. Usually when I see all that stuff, I get kind of sad because it just reminds me of more, like, the capitalist kind of like way where it's just the the commercial aspect of just like valentine's is this you have to buy these things to celebrate valentine's day uh, you know i just wish it was a little bit more you know hands off like people can just do whatever they want and you know it's not as like in your face do you feel like you have to celebrate valentine's day even if you don't want to definitely just all the i guess marketing sort of stuff in like grocery stores i think like sometimes it can make you like i don't know like feel bad about not being with someone i'd say sometimes i think like a lot of holidays in the u.s are like based on consumerism so like you kind of feel pressured to like buy into that i feel like everyone is celebrating it so it's kind of like hard to avoid but you don't necessarily have to celebrate it i guess you could do a little galentine's day or something i think it used to be i think there's a lot of like societal moves to like push against that that like valentine's day is sort of more of an optional thing that it like it works for some people it doesn't for others i feel like definitely in the past there was that pressure but i feel like now as a culture we've been like you know if it works for you great if not don't fret it there's a whole bunch of norms that we have that you can celebrate or not celebrate depending on what they mean to you if you think it's fun do it if you're not into it don't do it i think there's less pressure for it than other holidays i'd say like it's less mandatory to participate in than like christmas or halloween can be i guess i, I don't feel much pressure to engage with it any advice for someone who's feeling down on valentine's day maybe like find like hang out with someone that you know that you like enjoy spending time with and have fun with them. Reach out to the people that care about you. Reach out to the people you care about. It's not about, you know, hugging and kissing. It's just about appreciating people. So that's what I'd say. I would say Valentine's Day doesn't have to be like romantic. Like you can celebrate it with your friends or your family. So you can always talk to them or like buy gifts for them. Get together with your friends and just have, enjoy some, you know, me time and I would say just reach out to friends, reach out to people that you just want to spend time with. Like, it's also this year, you know, it's a Tuesday, and a Tuesday's always a good day to hang out with friends or go, just, you know, or take yourself out on the Valentine's Day date, you know? Um, take yourself out for a nice meal or go to a movie by yourself, which is always fun. So. You get every other day. Go out, maybe go out with some friends. Don't feel lonely. Maybe go out with yourself, you know, take a little you date out, get yourself something nice. 
just because you're maybe not with someone doesn't mean that you are exactly alone. Love yourself before anyone else. <laughs> yeah, love yourself before anyone else. All interviews conducted by Marty Abadi. Produced and edited by Wilder Mouton and Miles Petro. This has been Voices in the Street, WFHB's monthly public opinion feature of candid, local commentary about our world today. Voices in the Street is a volunteer-powered joint production of our news department and youth radio program here on WFHB, 91.3 and 98.1 FM, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. For the WFHB local news is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specialising in solar hot water, solar electricity and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noelle Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Dr. Rob Stone and Karen Green Stone. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Kate Young. Voices in the Street is produced by Youth Radio. For WFHB, I'm Lucinda Larnick. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Big Talk. A one-on-one conversation with some of Bloomington's most fascinating people. Coming up next on WFHB. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at wfhb.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at wfhb.org to find newscasts, individual stories and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local longer 